And today on the podcast, uh, we have uh, a band where I, I've liked their music for a while. I've, I've never, I can't say I was a, you know, a super fan or anything, but I've seen them live once, uh, I believe 13 years ago or something, and uh, enjoyed their performance. I took pictures of them at a festival. I remember, so in a box somewhere, I think I have pictures of them and like Rob Zombie and other bands that played that festival. And uh, I'm getting off track. But uh, the band is The Sounds, and uh, and I uh, did a phone interview with really good interview. Actually, it's it's long, it's lengthy. So hold on to your seats. But it's a good conversation with uh, with Jesper Anderberg. You're gonna correct me on the Swedish way to pronounce that. <laughs> well, you know me, Steve. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. But but so it starts I'll... with a J, and I didn't uh-huh. connect the, like yours. Yeah. It's a Y sound here. You know, that... Exactly. I'll just put in my two cents and say, you know what? I don't know Swedish, but I do have a Swedish stepmom, and I did grow up with the Muppets and the Swedish chef. Yes. Right? So you've got that. Kind of the way the Swedes talk. We've got their the way they accent, you know, their, their words. And then they've got their J's that are Y's. Um, so my name starts with a J, but it's pronounced like, it's pronounced with a Y. So J Asper, maybe that's how he pronounces it now. I don't know, but like in Swedish, it'd probably be more like Jasper, like Jasper, Jasper. And then you've got to get, you've got to get the, you know, uh, enunciation for the last thing. Like Edinburgh. Yes. Edinburgh. And I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm like massacring his name. No, I know you're working. You're <laughs> butchering your worst. I'm really good at massacring names. Yeah. So anyway, I, to, be, to be a little bit cultured, that's my two cents. The right day now. has come where I'm taking name lessons from Jens, who butchers everybody's <laughs> name in the music news. People can send me hate mail. That's fine. Right. It's all an educational experience. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so this is quarantine week, like 600, I think, uh, at this point. Dude, it's been going on for months, man. Every day is a Monday. It doesn't change. No, it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, the weather's great, right? So we got that. We got our health. We got good jobs. We don't have a lot to complain about. Other than- exactly. Yeah. I mean, given the situation right now, you know, there's not much... There's not a whole lot to com- to complain about. It's nice that we still are employed. It's nice that we still get a paycheck. Uh, but all of that is contingent, you know. I would assume on how long this whole thing is going to last. Yeah. Um, you know, companies will eventually r- run out of money <laughs> and have to let people go. So let's just hope that um, let's just hope that this is a short-term pandemic and that we will, you know, all be. That it will be safe to go back to work soon. Well, yes, uh, I will tell you as far as this podcast is concerned, which you know is not my financial stability, but <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily, but uh, but uh, the, Gavin Newsom put out a four-step plan this uh, uh, earlier today, uh, the day we we're recording this, and uh, step four. At the bottom of the list is concerts. <laughs> so what? That's at the bottom of the list. Yeah, man. You know what? I think Gavin is awesome, but he needs to kind of figure out his priorities. Concerts and sporting events with people attending. Yeah. Um, which, well, that would be like the most at risk yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember what I where I heard it, but I heard someone like talking about how they were going to. I mean, go and I mean, they'll wear a mask, but they will just eat foods that they can put in through the mask. And it's like, what? You can't even do that. Like, that's not a thing. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Like, how does that even make sense? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how sports are going to recover. Like, it'll be a while before. 
that can happen, right? Yeah. So the NFL draft happened. Uh, I didn't pay any attention to it, but do you know anything about that? About what, NFL? Yeah, what happened with the NFL draft? Because that happened this week or something. I think the draft is happening. Yeah, I think all of that is happening. I haven't really been paying too much attention to that. I just kind of uh, look at the highlights, like, you know, like the Packers. Uh, you you saw a Packers game. I'm so jealous. You were actually at Lambeau Field. So there was a highlight recently about um, how the Packers surprised everybody by drafting you know, this hot new quarterback and, oh my God, what does that mean for Aaron Rodgers? You know, is he pissed now because, you know, he's got to train this person and that means he's, he's got to seriously think about retirement or is he, you know, going to be traded to a different team or, or what? So yeah, I think the draft is, you know, is, is going on, but I, I mean, I honestly can't imagine that the games are going to, are going to happen. Um, no. It's too soon, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I don't know what – I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm just oblivious to all the sports stuff because it's not – that hasn't been a high focus for me, especially because it's not happening. So I don't pay attention yeah. to the no news especially. Uh, but yeah. um, but I wonder, like, what sports networks and sports radio and everything, like, what are they doing? Just reliving old memories? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. I can imagine that there will be things um, – uh, that will be virtual, you know, like I can, I can imagine tennis happening, right? Because there are two people, there's a net, there's way more than six feet between these two tennis people. And it's just a ball going back and forth, back and forth. Just don't touch the ball, right? I mean, you've got to touch the ball to pick it up and hit it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you just pick it up, hit it, wear gloves or whatever, you know, don't touch your face. Okay. Uh, there won't be any spectators, but that's okay. Everyone's at home watching, mm-hmm. but Hey, you know, Wimbledon or the U S open or whatever, you know, the, that you know that kind of thing can still happen. I think it's about as boring because, as I can imagine. But it's, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly, boring. But I can't imagine these more contact-like sports happening. Golf. Uh, maybe golf. I can imagine golf happening. You know, bowling. That'll probably happen. Uh, you but, can't you know, go bowling. Soccer, though. football, yeah. baseball. I can't imagine. Well, I don't know. Baseball. Hmm, maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, no. You have to throw the ball between a lot of people. Like a lot of people are touching yeah. the ball. Yeah. I guess, I I guess everybody like can wear the ball. You to somebody on the other side of the field, but that person still needs to make contact with someone who's trying to slide yeah. on a base. Or... I guess down, not too far down the line, some sports like this can happen. I mean, it, but the rules have to be assessed. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there'll be some brand new sports coming out of this. Oh, yes. There'll, there'll be some new sports virtual you know, sports like, like yeah like using the wii or something with a remote and you know yeah everybody's gonna like be using their drones or something i don't know who it'll be interesting we'll have to see drone wars yes drone wars there we go yeah that's fun drone wars yeah yeah i think maybe everything is just going to be lit everybody's just going to start living their lives through vr you know you put on these put on these helmets or whatever like Luke Skywalker back in the day and you use the force and you uh, you know you connect yes yes so so how has this past week been for you Jens have you uh, you you mentioned in the last pod that you were feeling pretty cooped and you're ready for this to be done I am so ready to uh, I mean you know Safety is the biggest concern here, right? I mean, yeah. money is nice and a job is nice and being able to eat is nice, but I mean, you don't want to die. No. That's like the worst scenario, right? You don't want to die. 
that said, it's it's there's only so much you can take when it comes to being isolated at home. I mean, I can't imagine at all what it's like to be in prison. No, like, that's got to be a fucking living hell. I know R. Kelly was trying to petition himself to get out, like him and like all, all the bad ones, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, it's not, it's not safe for me here. Well, guess what? You do the crime, you do the fucking time. Like, uh, I'm sorry. Right. Like, oh my god, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I'm trying to figure out what it is exactly that. I feel like I need that I'm not getting right now. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's just the simple things like hopping in the car and doing that little road trip you do every now and then on the weekends, you know, whether it's to the beach or to the mountains or the wine country or whatever it is, something as simple as that is absent. And it just, it might be small, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And that's, what's driving me stir crazy. I mean, I could, I think I'd be fine if I just hopped in my car and just drove around all day without getting out. And then, you know, coming back home, I think, you know, maybe that might be all right, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, um, months ago, I think in February, actually, uh, we had booked a trip, uh, a camping trip with, uh, you know, our friend, uh, Joe's family, um, you know, to, to go, uh, camping along the coast. Cause last year we, we did try a camping trip and it did not work out well, uh, with, uh, with the location, with the, you know, the kids having some situations like, uh, and so we, we planned it better. And so we, we have a trip planned for July that probably, okay, wait, wait, are you talking about the trip that was going up one one or something? No. You were heading over to Oregon? No, uh, the, the the trip That's with the, trip? the trip with uh, Joe's family last year. We went. We just went. To, I mean, we didn't book until a month beforehand, and apparently, you have to book six months in advance. So oh, this right. was this okay. is the one at Berryessa where yeah. you know uh, the kids, two kids had you know bowel issues, let's say, and uh, and we were right <laughs> on top of a camper with a uh, with a generator that was really loud, and it just. It was doomed before it started, and, uh, and, and so we planned plan this one, and so we have this trip tentatively planned for July, which doesn't look like it's going to happen probably. But you know, we're gonna have yeah. to we're gonna have to make you know uh, make do and like camp in the you know on in our one of our front yards or something, and have a bonfire and do all that you know at our home probably mm-hmm. instead. So. Might have to do that. You know, um, you could make a big party out of it and make it all virtual. So everybody at home has to have a bonfire so that you all feel yes. like you're together at the same time. Yes, bonfire, a Zoom bonfire. A Zoom camping trip. I like it. That's great, Jens. You'll, you'll uh, participate and you'll find a corn stalk in your backyard that you didn't know existed. It'd totally. I'll just light our tree on uh-huh. fire, which hasn't fucking grown an inch <laughs> ever since we planted it when we moved in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, the fire department, they're, they're on lockdown too, right? They don't mm. actually go anywhere. They can't go. Social distancing. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Um, I think we, you know, one really has to kind of get creative that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what it turns into. Fingers crossed for, for positive things ahead. So definitely, definitely fingers crossed. But I think that it all comes down to being creative and, you know, maybe even being a kid again. Like I suggested uh, to my wife uh, yesterday or today or whatever it was that, 
you know, that's like this, I'm starting to feel stir crazy. I'm starting to feel like uh, cabin fever at home and I'm not really used to that. And, um, we used to do a lot of camping. So why not just go find the freaking tent in the garage, put it in the backyard and just set it up and do the camping thing on the weekend. I know. Whatever. Yeah. Even like, haul the TV in there with an extension cord, you know, like, like this luxury, <laughs> you know, bring the down comforter, bring the lights and just have some fun with it. When you say the lights, you mean like the disco light or the, you know, the, I mean, the disco know. lights, mm-hmm. the rope lights, like mm-hmm. the Christmas lights, <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything that, anything that will plug into an extension cord, you know, is free as a free for all. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. We will have to get resourceful. That's for sure. So, um, and it's important to turn off the fucking sprinklers. Remember to do that, otherwise it'll be a, a different kind it's of. It's gonna trip, be so. raining. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that might be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, but the weather is great for. I mean, I'm ready to do that in the next couple of weeks, maybe with the kids. Like. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, all right, man. Well, let's bring in our our guest. Uh, this is Jesper or Jesper, depending on how you say it, uh, from The Sounds. And again, it's a long interview. We Near the end, we really go down this nostalgia train, I tell you. And uh, and it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, let's check it out. All right. Well, welcome. Hey, this is uh, Jesper Underbergs. Hey, Jesper, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. How are how are things in Sweden right uh, now? Uh, you know, with uh, with everything we have going on. And thank you for taking the time, by the way. Oh no worries. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's actually, um, uh, I would say, uh, fairly good. Um, I mean, we have uh, obviously we have a different tactic than most other countries. <laughs> Uh, which uh, you know has been criticized and uh, and uh, uh, celebrated in, in one way, uh, but it's you know it's divided. Uh, but uh, we have quite a few guests, but uh, mostly uh, older people since it's got into retirement homes and stuff like that, which is uh, which is sad. But um, apart from that, down here in the south is pretty. It's not that it's not that many cases yet, but we we're expecting it to get a little bit worse in a couple of the coming weeks. Yeah, so are you guys still able to socialize in small groups? Is that kind of where where things are at there? Yeah, I mean, um, sorry, can, can I just uh, put on some head, headphones instead? Yeah, of course. Yeah, just give me one second here. Okay. We'll Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Um, yes, we can socialize in small groups. Um, we we have this um, department um, that you know gives us uh, a little bit of rules and uh, they're not they're not uh, rules that forced upon us, uh, but they're more like suggestions. What how to how to be um, uh, how to be in this situation like uh, you should see all the people you should avoid traveling inside Sweden if it's not necessary and you know try to 
not socialize too much in, in larger groups and stuff like that. We don't we don't we don't have any that like restrictions where you're not allowed to do stuff. Yeah, and and so as this was uh, uh, as this was kind of coming down, you guys were getting uh, ready for a tour, right? Yeah, so that tour was going was going to start uh, in um, uh, late April. Yeah. Um, sorry, one second. Yeah, no problem. Uh, have a kid here. Uh, no problem. <laughs> it's been in the middle of the dinner time. Uh, maten är på här nu. Kan du? Men nu kommer den klar. Det står sen bara vänta på att kuka. Uh, it is a podcast, but I, I can edit this around this. Stuff. It's okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The tour was going to start in late April, and uh, obviously, for for um, you know the circumstances of the coronavirus, we had to start it, which is really sad. Because uh, we haven't done a tour in the States since when was the last one? 2016, I believe. Yeah, it's been a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so um, and so your last shows kind of leading up to this, I think, were kind of in Finland, and you had played some shows in Sweden at the end of uh, uh, last year, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we were supposed to do that uh, as well this year, uh, this summer. I'm not sure what's going to happen with those shows yet. Uh, since everything is, I mean, if you listen to the, the experts, they say that uh, festivals and, and gatherings in, in large groups are not going to be possible until, at the best, uh, after the summer. And worst case, like, not until next year. So no one really knows. And the government haven't really said anything um, regarding that. Uh, but um, big festivals and shows like that. I'm just guessing it's not going to happen, but who knows? Yeah, I'm, first. yeah, they're still booking a lot of like festivals, you know, and for later in the year, like it's going to happen. But I, I don't know that I, I see this, uh, you know, this turning around that quickly. You know, I mean, everyone's going to be really careful, and you know, small concerts, small gatherings might be possible, but I don't know that big festivals are going to be, you know, happening this year. It's, it's... No, me neither. And uh, I think, um, you know, a lot of those, like, really big festivals in Europe, like Glastonbury and such, they cancelled now. And that kind of made a mark uh, for all, uh, all, all the other festivals around Europe where, okay, so they're cancelling, then we probably need to start switching to cancelling ourselves. Yeah. So I think it's going to be um, gonna be tough. Yeah. So I, I saw the live stream that you guys did uh, last week, and I, I thought that was a really unique uh, idea because, well, one, you, uh, you guys were able to do something like that. I mean, there's there's not a lot of ability to do something like that here. 
uh, in the States, or at least venues haven't been uh, able to exercise it with, with bands that I've been able to see, right? So, um, so, uh, so tell me about how that kind of came about. Well, um, first of all, since we can do the tour, we're kind of looking into uh, you know, providing some sort of um, live uh, thing for our fans. And because I know a lot of people have been uh, looking forward to, to the tour, and then some of the dates were sold out. So we were thinking, like, is there something we can do um, from here? And then we started talking to a local promoter here uh, at the the venue called um, KB um, and the whole thing with all the local promoters and, and places here in Sweden is also that you know they're, they're having a rough time uh, they're not allowed to have any concerts and that's obviously you know um, tough for them economically uh, so we thought that maybe we can do something together and they had an idea of um, uh, putting on a, a live stream um, and they tried with one band before us, um, and it looked kind of good. Uh, and then we, they were like, we need to make it more into in the live feeling, not so it doesn't look like we're in the studio playing. Because we we don't show where we 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 play it in the studio with headphones and they tape it and then they edit it afterwards. It's going to be live, and you know you need to get some sort of movement uh, to feel the energy in the live concert. So. Um, Basically, it was it was a collaboration with, with a local promoter here in Malmo, where we live, to help them out um, uh, with donations and also the film team, of course, and and for ourselves. So that's how it all came came about. And and how did the show feel for uh, for you? I mean, it when it, when it was produced, you know, obviously you don't have any crowd shots or anything like that. It doesn't exist. But uh, but it had, really had that live live concert feeling, like you said, right? So how how did it feel to be playing that show without the you know fan reaction that you're used to? Um, yeah, well, it's, obviously it was kind of weird because we've been playing on that stage for for many times before with a with a packed house. So we we all went into uh, this knowing that this is going to be a different um, a different vibe. <laughs> but we we, we told ourselves uh, just before we went went off stage like this is let's just just pretend there's tons of people because we've done shows before uh, with a, especially early in our career where we didn't have a crew we didn't have any people in the audience so let's just you know have have a a drink or two before and you just go out and you know uh, make it feel like there's people there. uh, and don't think of it like a long sound check or sitting in the studio just, you know just do exactly what we used to do if it's a packed house and um, for some reason it felt after two three songs I, I didn't even you know pay attention to, to the fact that there, it was an empty room um it was mostly in between songs where we were like, yeah, no one's, no one is uh, applauding. <laughs> we started to, to think about it. But, you know, I, when I play live, I usually kind of in, into it so much. I have so much things to do and so much to play. So I'm, I'm more like, uh, it sounds great in my ears. Um, and, you know, hopefully it sounds as good uh, as it does here to our crowd that's listening. So I didn't really think about it too much after two, three songs. Yeah. 
And uh, are you guys talking about doing more things like that in the future, like like some of the Instagram lives that people are doing, or uh, or what have you? Yeah, I mean, uh, we do this live stream now, and and uh, I think we have to wait a little bit to see what kind of things we could do. Uh, I mean, I could do live stream every day if people want to. Uh, it's, it's fun to play, and you know, you get a lot of positive feedback from uh, from everywhere. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the, the good things coming out of this is that, uh, we're a little bit older band and maybe not so, so into the whole interact with fans on our social media platforms. Um, we're trying, we, you know, we're doing as best as we could, uh, as good as we can, but, um, then we could, we could absolutely get better at it. And I think this is, this is one of the things where we feel like, oh, we need to step up, um, the interaction with fans uh, over, you know, social platforms, social media platforms. And so I, I would definitely think that we could, you know, do some acoustic things, some other live, live, uh, uh, recordings of the internet. And, you know, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I think we can get better at it. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go back, and I, I want to know a little bit more about you and kind of your your upbringing in, in music. Were your were your parents musically inclined, or you know, what music did they? Yeah, I mean, was on in your household when you were a kid. Like, how did you get into music? Um, I started playing classical piano when I was around five or six. Um, so that's how I started, you know, getting into music. Um, my dad. Was pretty good at playing piano, uh, but he played more like you know cocktail piano, you know, sitting sitting around, which I figured out later, like sitting around and you know pretending to play, which sounded sounded cool, but it wasn't like any uh, anything you know reading notes and anything like that. So uh, I sat around with him for a while, and my mom has always been into music. Um, uh, especially in the 60s and 70s. and um, But uh, I would say mainly it was my older siblings that got me into the, to what kind of music I, I listen to even today. Uh, everything from goth rock to synth to Bruce Springsteen to country and all that. Um, and they took me to my first concert as well, which was uh, <laughs> surprise, no surprise here, it was rock set. <laughs> when I was uh, six, six or seven, um, which was, you know, obviously pretty cool back then. Um, but uh, I, as I said before, I, I started playing classical piano when I was six, and then I, I found it really boring, to be honest. Um, I really didn't want to go to my parent teacher. And um, one day I arrived there with my mom when I was, I think I was, I turned seven. And there was a big, big chocolate uh, bar on the piano stool. And I was like, oh, man, that looks good. And it was to me, the, the chocolate was for me. So I was like, I'm going to get chocolate every time I play piano. <laughs> uh, so the bribery kept you going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I kind of found out uh, the, the, the week after when I, when I showed up, there was no chocolate bar there. Oh. I was like, and I went back and, and back and back every week. And I was like, this, no chocolate there. But after a while, I started to 
you know, become fun. Uh, and in retrospective, I was like, oh, it was my birthday. That's why it was a shock reporter. Um, so the only reason why I kind of started playing piano was that I thought it was going to be shocked along with piano school. Uh, but it turned out to be my birthday, so that's why I, you know, I got shocked. But after a while, it was fun. And then I kept playing classical piano until, until I was around 17. I think I quit. And, and still and, to this uh, day, you always look for the chocolate bar on the piano, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now we have snacks in the, in the backstage room, but, you know, it's actually equivalent yeah. to that, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, sometime around there, when I was 14 or 15, I, I started to become interested in uh, electronic music. So I bought my first uh, sequencer, drum machine and start to uh, you know experiment with that and, and it was um, right it was right after that that you joined the sounds right like when you were 16 yeah exactly and it's actually, actually also because I met the guys in the band at the festival and then they had one of the drum machines that I that I that I knew like in and out how it worked so they asked me if I could help them program uh, one sequence into a whole song. Uh, so that's what I did, basically. I mean, it wasn't too hard. It's just that I guess they were too lazy to, to even look, look in, in the manual. Uh, so I helped them out with that. And then a few weeks or months later, I joined the band. And, uh, and so, um, I mean, was it natural for you right off the bat? I mean, they were a little bit older uh, than you, but, I mean, was that dynamic there from the beginning with you guys? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's something with that, around that age, 16 and 18, where um, you don't have any, um, you don't really think about who you're hanging out with, as long as it's fun. Uh, you don't really think about if the people, you know, have the right values or um, if you feel like this, this can be a good friendship. Like maybe nowadays you're more selective when it comes to who you hang out with because you have much less time to fuck around with people. Uh, but back then it's just, you know, you, you don't hang out with anyone. Uh, and I felt right away when I met the guy that we had a good time together and a good chemistry um, and obviously it was good since we still we're still the same five people um, but um, yeah it felt it felt natural in some way we were, we were all from the same city and we all had the same you know music uh, style and we dressed the same and it felt kind of natural to be honest it felt like you, you met your brothers and sisters um, brothers and sisters from different parents. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now so, you've you've been in the band for strike. yeah, you've been in the band for over half your life at this point now, right? And so, yeah, I mean, they're yeah. they're really your family, right? Yeah, they are. They, they, they definitely are. I mean, and in families, you you always have disagreements, and you always um, have some sort of love for each other, even if you if you don't see each other for a while. Uh, it's, it's a very natural relationship we have. Uh, we don't have to hang out after tours. We we pick it up where we left if we don't talk on the phone every day. But 
usually we see each other at least a couple of times each month if we don't write an album or we don't tour. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about some some stuff from the older days uh, with uh, with you as well before we get into the the new stuff. Um, so you you guys played the Warp Tour in uh, two thousand four and two thousand six. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience because that is a tour unlike any other. I mean, it's like it's grueling. You're you're town to town, and it's just like all summer long. The d- dead, you know. I mean, the hottest days ever, and you you play a thirty minute set, and you don't know when you're playing, right? Like, tell me about that experience for you. Um, yeah, we, I mean that was uh, the first time was two thousand and four, and um, we've done a few festivals in Sweden, and not even in Europe, I believe, before that. Maybe Finland, but nothing. What was like the Warp Tour? I mean, Warp Tour was uh, something completely different. It was, you know, traveling circus, basically, hundred fifty bands um, traveling in, you know, tour buses, uh, cars, uh, U-Hauls, you know, anything. And we didn't really know what to expect, so we started off in. I think it was used when we started off, and it, it was exactly as you said that you you're into kind of a lottery every morning where the tour manager has to go out to the production office and, and you know, pick a, a number or something. Or the production staff, uh, maybe they're the one who's decided. But they, they give you a slot every day. And sometimes it's 12 a.m. Or 12, was it a.m., right? It's, it's noon. Yeah. Uh, or you get the, the last slot, which is like 5.30 or something. And you have 30 minutes, and if it's around noon, there's basically no people there when you play. I mean, the area is so big that people can't even, you know, they don't even have time to find the stage before the, before we go on. Um, so luckily, we, we ended up playing mostly around three or four. But we had some of those, you know, noon slots. Where it, was kind of, it was kind of like playing a live stream. Uh, right, yeah, so as people are getting was, in, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> But it was, it was a fantastic uh, experience. That's why we did it twice as well. You know, there's, there's some sort of, um, uh, you get a lot of friends, uh, both within the band and production of, uh, with the production uh, side of stuff. And every night you have a, like a barbecue party where there's one band that, you know, brings a, a huge grill uh, with them out on tour and they serve everybody hot dogs and, you know, um, so I think it was a super fun experience. Then, on the other hand, it was really, really rough as well to do it for over a month, you know, in in hundred degrees. Yeah. Um, and some places were just, you know, a melt, like you, you played it down in a almost like a melting pot. And it was so freaking hot. Yeah. But um, um, I don't know what it 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 got cancelled, right? Yeah, warp tour. Last warp tour was last year, uh, and they they did uh, like I think three sets of two day shows. One was here in the Bay Area, and I went to it actually. Uh, so it was kind of it was nostalgic because I hadn't been to a warp tour in probably ten years. I I outgrew it, right? <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, and my musical taste changed. It wasn't my scene anymore. But uh, uh, but it was cool to get to go to this like last hurrah thing for uh, for warp tour. Uh, is a 25th anniversary show, yeah, shows or something like that. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, it was super cool. It's because you know 
when we grew up, we we listened to bands like you know, Bad Religion and NoFX and all those acts, and they're always on that tour. Yeah, uh, they're staples of it, so, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we got to uh, became friends with uh, Fat Mike, and he hang out. He hang out on our bus uh, all the time, and and Greg from from. Uh, Bad religion. Bad religion as well. yeah. It was real fun. Yeah. And really sweet guys and crazy, crazy dudes as well. But, um, you know, I had a lot, lot, lot of good memories and, and fun times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I was doing this as a TV show back then. And so we, we interviewed those guys, right? We interviewed Greg from Bad Religion and Fat Mike and Eric from No Effects and, you know, a bunch of the other bands that were, you know, were playing on the tour. And I mean, yeah, it was such a cool vibe, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. and, and uh, scene, you know, I mean, it was just, it was great. So, I mean, what, what were some of the bands that, I mean, were, uh, that you um, built relationships with, or you, you're still friends with today? Are those the guys? Yeah, and uh, we found Glower played the year. Um, we uh, we performed as well. And uh, we're still, you know, good friends with, I mean, we don't speak very often, but, you know, uh, Chad from Newfound Glory is, uh, Friend of ours, and uh, I actually played played with them that year as well because they needed a keyboard player for one of their new songs. And that was a fun experience for me to play with another band. Oh, that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, that was really fun. And uh, AFI was on there uh, that year as well. I think, um, what was it called? My Chemical Romance? Yeah, yeah, My Chemical Romance. Yeah, yeah, they were they were getting huge around that time too, and you know, uh, I mean, yeah, they were they were one of those big bands that played Warped Tour, and and the cool thing about Warped Tour also is, I mean, they would get you know a couple of bands that were like about to blow up, and uh, and would and kind of showcase them, and just as part of the tour, like Katy Perry played it, you know, uh, one Warped Tour. And, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, like I saw her backstage at Warped. Yeah. Yeah, it worked, and I didn't know who she was until after, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I think uh, what's called under oath, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, against me, also that year. There's actually a lot of good bands. Yeah. Uh, something weird. Uh, as I remember the day. No, as I remember. As I remember that band. I can't remember. It's kind of funny with all those uh, emo bands. Uh huh. Yeah. Back down. There's a lot of emo they bands too. Like, to the sentence in their name. Yeah. The the used and you know lots of that that sort of thing, right? So. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember, uh, I think 2004 was the year where they introduced. Do you remember this? Uh, monster yeah yeah and they had the tour waters backstage you know uh like the the monster the monster tour waters those things are so cool i kept those cans for years you know (laughs) (laughs) and i remember they had one of these bars backstage where where you can drink for free and they had vodka monster Mm, nice and i remember our bass player and guitar player they hung out there all the time. Uh, and I remember the bass player, like, he, he looked so, like, devastated every morning. Uh, hung 
hungover, and it's like, I didn't even drink that much. It's like, and then he, he didn't really realize where, what uh, monster drink was, because uh, he was sitting there drinking, and at least, and then, and then every night at 3 a.m., he just woke up. What are we doing? Uh, and he couldn't fall asleep again until it's 6 or 7 in the morning. So, and I was like, after a while, we figured out, oh, it's energy drink. So, basically, super soft. Coffee. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to sleep. That's <laughs> kind of wake up call for him. Okay, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, you got to be careful with those. I'll tell you, like I, uh, I, I, I mean, back before all this, of course, like I, I go and I cover concerts in the city in San Francisco, uh, you know, and that's like an hour yeah. and a half away. And so I'm, I'm old. I got kids now, right? And, uh, and so I, I'll take a monster in my car, uh, and, and then just on the way back, like if, if I've, if I'm getting tired, I'll have it. But you know, six out of seven times, like I. I won't need to touch it, so I'll, I'll stay away from it because that'll get you jittery and everything. But I'd rather drink it than than you know crashing, right? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, those are terrible. Yeah, good times. It's bad for health. I'm still cold. It's even worse than drinking pure water. Oh sure. <laughs> Uh, so, so I want to I ask you also. You guys toured with No Doubt, um, I think, on their last tour um, before before they split up. Um, like, tell tell me about that experience for uh, for you. Um, yeah, it was in two thousand nine. I believe. So uh, they split up now. Uh, I mean, I mean, they yeah, they haven't. Gwen's doing her own thing, right? So, I mean, they. Uh, I think they played a couple shows like five years ago or something, but um, I mean they haven't really done anything um, since then. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, we did a tour with them in two thousand nine. Like, I think they had a kind of summer tour, so we did it two legs out of that, uh, the beginning and and uh, and, and yeah, yeah, because we're from Swedish and European festivals in between. Um, that was really uh, a great tour as well. Um, it was it was kind of weird because we we were first out of three bands. It was us, Paramore, and then uh, No Doubt. Right. Um, so uh, you know, most of the time we played in front of like half full amphitheater, which was still you know amazing for us. Um, but um, we had a lot of dead time. I think we only played for 25 minutes, and then we had, you know, a whole day. You have to do nothing. Yeah. Uh, and we were kind of used to, you know, uh, having a show every day. And now it was like one show, one day off, one show, uh, one day off. So there was a lot of, you know, hanging out at the amphitheaters around the U.S. for a whole summer, <laughs> which is kind of, kind of fun as well. Uh, and we got to, you know, know the band um, uh, much better since, you know, you can really hang out with anyone else. And especially their crew was amazing and, and sweet. So, um, but that was, uh, you know, it was cool to be around uh, a big production like that, uh, which we never had before. You know, we took it the Strokes, which was, you know, more like 2,500 seaters and up. This was like 15 to 20,000. So that was kind of amazing to see what go, what's going on around those tours. Yeah. Uh, and how everything works. And then, um, 
they also had um, you know personal trainers and stuff like that, which were super sweet to us. So I actually uh, had a guy I can't remember his name now, but he he lived in Palm Springs and he was I think some of the band band members uh, personal trainer, and he uh, I've never been as uh, ripped as I've been after that tour because there was basically nothing to do in those amphitheaters without except like drinking and working out. Yeah. So, and I, and I've never been a guy that works out more than playing soccer and, you know, kite surf and stuff like that, but not going to the gym. But he really showed me how to, you know, eat right and train correctly and, you know, do everything uh, um, according to the books. And so I, when I came home, my, my girlfriend was like, Jesus, I've never seen you that big. Uh, <laughs> and then, obviously, after the tour, I just didn't work out anymore you, know, you let it all go yeah, <laughs> yeah I let it all go <laughs> but it's cool to have had that right I mean that's yeah that's something you don't get on every tour you know access to a personal trainer you know? <laughs> no so that was really nice of him to show me uh, how to do that but the shows were really fun as well um, they uh, they really I mean I can really tell that the band was really eager to, you know, let us have a, uh, as good experience as possible on the tour. I mean, they, um, they made sure that as many people as possible could get in to see us. They, um, they came into our, to our backstage room before the shows a lot of times just, you know, to uh, hang out and, uh, pep talk us a little bit. And, um, also they invited us on stage with the band at the end of every concert to play some, some drums to, to one of their songs. Um, or actually, it was a cover, Adam and the Ants song, Stand and Deliver. So, um, that was really sweet of them. And um, I only had positive things to say about those people. You, you, what was the last thing you said? Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last part. Oh, no, I only have like uh, positive po- oh, things. Oh, positive things to say, uh, yeah. About that tour and, uh, and, and the people around it. That's, uh, that's so cool. Um, so, um, you, uh, one, one thing I saw, let's see, wh- where did I see it? But you, uh, I, oh yeah, you put your, you created a COVID, uh, playlist and on it was, uh, the talking heads. Um, and, uh, and it, it, I think you said every band wants to be the talking heads. Is that kind of one of your goals? Kind of to, is that, is that your shine, your shining star? Yeah. Uh, one of them, um, for sure. I, I think um, every. I think I have a feeling about this. I'm, I might be wrong, but I think I'm right. Uh, if you've been a band, and if someone that plays in band listens to this now, they might they recognize it. But after you've been playing a band for a long time, the same band for a long time, you always you're always trying to become that other band. Um, you never want to. You never want to be your own band. You always try to, you know, look for a way to sound or be or, you know, it's, it's basically inspiration, obviously, but, you know, you can look at bands like Talking Heads and you're like, they're so cool. They're, you know, they're doing everything right. And obviously they have done everything right. Um, no bands have done everything right. But you yeah. get that feeling after you've been in a band for a long time, you want to, you know, you want to uh, change stuff. Uh, everything from looks, uh, style, music style to, 
you know, stage, uh, on the stage looking, you know, you're trying to turn everything upside down. It's a way of, you know, evolving your sound and your image, obviously. But Talking Heads is one of those bands that you keep returning to, at least me and the drummer and the bass player. That uh, we think are, you know, an example of a cool band that doesn't give a fuck. Uh, but, you know, obviously they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the feeling we get from them. Did, did you, that's the attitude I like. Yeah, did you ever get a chance to see... art and music. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to see Talking Heads live or meet, or meet them? No, never. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't say that if I didn't meet them. Right. You usually don't want to meet your idols. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. So, uh, like four years ago, uh, I briefly interviewed Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads um, at a. Hey. a yeah, he he played at a Bowie celebration, which was my. I mean, it was my favorite concert. It was after Bowie died, and Gary Oldman, the actor, was leading it, and there were tons of musicians that were playing this thing, and so, you know, uh, we interviewed a bunch of them, and and Jerry was there, and you know, and. Um, I mean, the, the conversation was mostly about Bowie, but, you know, I, I did mention the talking heads and then he just shut down, you know, I mean, at that point, like he didn't want to talk about it or anything. Uh, so, you know, he, he, sometimes you got to play those out and feel it, get a feel for it. But he, uh, was, you know, it wasn't what he wanted to talk about. Let's just say that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. I mean, that's what I tried to say before as well. I mean, um, I think that happens a lot. I mean, bands can get really infected because um, you, you, it's a big part of yourself and your life. Yeah. Uh, there's when things go south, uh, it can get become really, really infected. It's like a divorce, um, some sort of divorce, which you know brings up the divorcing people, and it's a real shame because you know those people have created um, medical stuff together and. They can't, you know, see see beyond that. Sometimes the the internal sides. Yeah, and I think uh, and I think there's a lot of bands that you know have the same destiny. Yeah, and I think you hit on it really well right there because, uh, like, I mean, everybody else, like, on from the outside, has a positive experience attached to you know, that music, right? But on the inside, it's it's completely different. And um, and I was reading a story actually just yesterday when we were recording a different podcast episode, and uh, like, uh, the, it was um, uh, it was. Uh, uh, Oh, why, why am I blanking right now? Uh, Pink Floyd. Uh, yeah, yeah, how that, yeah, it was Pink Floyd that they were, I mean, like they're, they're talking about kind of get doing some reunion thing and then it's just, it's not going to happen because, uh, you know, on, on the inside, it, you know, it's, it's not as pretty as it, lo- it is on the outside, as it looks from the outside, right? So. <laughs> yeah, that, that exactly. And, and that's something that the, the fans or the, the listeners never get to hear about and obviously all bands have have you know infected um, situations where they you know you shouldn't want to bring up uh, or you know that that hurts a lot to talk about I mean it's the same thing with the Smiths you know there's obviously reasons why they don't get together again uh, but people don't know and you know for, for once actually you know Johnson Rose's did uh, <laughs> we unite which was kind of hard to, to understand as well or forget. Yeah. Um, but they managed to to work that out, which is also kind of cool. But 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's tough to. I mean, as I said before, like all bands have, have situations or um, uh, or things that happen in their career that they they have a hard time talking about uh, and a hard time um, dealing with, even after the band has um, stopped playing together. Yeah. Um, and obviously that that guy um, from Coffee Head, maybe you hit the you hit the some sort of nerve there with him. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, what happened to the interview after that? Just, just shut down or yeah, it was. It, it ended up being like I mean, I I was gonna go for like ten minutes, but it was ended up being like five, you know. Uh, so <laughs> it it didn't it didn't get. I just I, I could get the the energy in the room changed, right? So, <laughs> uh, so he he didn't walk out or anything, but he was. I could you know I've done hundreds of interviews so i i could i could get a sense for okay we're we're, we're done here we're good <laughs> we'll ca- ca- carry on you know so so um yeah that, that happens but you know you know you, you i got the chance to talk to him so that's cool uh so so let's let's talk about uh things we do for love as we kind of wind down here so uh new album it's coming out in june um and the title uh track uh this uh the single things we do for love uh you you wrote it like over eight years ago you said right yeah um i mean it started off uh as a demo um song that me and the drummer worked on and then he picked it up one day in the studio and kind of, you know, we did some stuff and uh, added some lyrics to it and uh, and all of a sudden it was uh, a different song but still, you know, parts of it uh, was from the demo and then um, I think Felix uh, added some production to it. Um, so it, it, kind of, it kind of went off through all the sound members <laughs> before it came out eight years later, which is kind of cool, I think. Um, yeah. But that song, yeah, it song started eight years ago, and that's kind of rare that you finish a song you started eight years ago. We have, I think we have probably over 200 song ideas that, that kind of sounds, or that uh, it's basically maybe 60% done which uh, Things to Do For Love was eight years ago, but we never finished them. Just that's, uh, when you wrote that, you were in one sort of mind space, and it's kind of hard sometimes to pick up that mind space again. Um, and that's why I usually try to finish a song before I go home, because uh, it's hard to to uh, put yourself in the situation you were when you started writing a song. But anyways, um, uh, so I was kind of surprised when that song actually turned out uh, to be complete, uh, which I'm happy about today. Yeah, you guys. I mean, obviously, uh, eight years is a long time. You're you're different now than you were eight years ago, and uh, and so uh, and as the rest of the band. So to come back to that, I mean. Um, I mean, tell tell me kind of about the process overall for for the album. I, I listened to it last night, uh, and uh, and it's really great. I mean, I uh, I like where you guys are going with it, and you know, I know it took some time for you know to get this album uh, out and together. But you know, tell me what that looked like for you guys. Um, I think this this is probably the the album that we we 
our time in the studio together, all the five of us. Because we, you know, maybe one fourth of the album was written uh, before I took a break from the studio. Uh, and then Frederick took over a little bit and made a few songs together with Maya. And Maya made some songs together with Felix. And Johan made some songs together with, with us. Uh, and stuff like that. So it's kind of almost like, well, for once, uh, in a long, long time, since the first album, everybody in the band uh, contributed uh, almost equally uh, much to the album, which is kind of fun. And uh, we all, we all, you know, been doing stuff on the on the um, um, like uh, on the side of the sounds for a while. Like, uh, I've gotten two kids. Uh, Maya had a kid. Uh, I studied a little bit. Felix has studied a little bit. Um, and stuff like that, just to you know, uh, sometimes you need to step up, step away to to get a new. Uh, to come in and, and get a new angle of how to create music. Uh, so that's why it's been taking so long as well. But we, uh, you know, everybody had to to do something else in their lives for a while. Yeah. Oh, almost uh, everyone. <laughs> most, um, most people, right? But, so, 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 <laughs> but so, so that's, that's how the album uh, came about. I, before I... Before I left, I wrote a bunch of songs, and then, you know, other band members took those songs and, you know, started to record bits and pieces of them, and then they they wrote some new songs, and, you know, uh, so it's kind of a, a funny album that way that it's probably the only album we could have created at the time, because we were, uh, everybody had other things to do, and I, no one really wanted to pick up the, uh, pick up the band. Yeah, it's okay to put it, you know, on hold and, you know, and then kind of come back to it when it makes sense, right? You want it to be natural and not, not forced. Exactly. And then, for, for instance, like when we did an EP with Thrill and uh, Turn to Gold and all those songs, uh, there was basically just me and Frederick in the studio. Um, and then I left for a while, Felix came back, um, and so it's been going on like that for a while. Um, so I'm really happy that the album actually turned out as good as it did. Um, and I feel like we're all much more excited about, you know, the next album again after this, uh, to, to get in and, and, and write that. So I think it was a well-needed break, but it wasn't only, it wasn't only like a break from the doubt. You know, people, I, I got two kids now. I didn't have that three years ago. Um, Maya had a, had a kid, she didn't have that four or five years ago either, so you need to have some time for family as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and live your lives and be, and not just be this band that's on the road uh, all, all the time, you know, nonstop and, you know, and everything, and it's, you know, leave them wanting a little bit more, right? So, <laughs> uh, exactly. yeah. Unfortunately, with this uh, corona thing, uh, kind of uh, fucked things up for us when it comes to doing it promotion and uh and tours yeah uh which is kind of sad yeah but, you know 
Yeah. Should have waited one more year or one more uh, year earlier. <laughs> yeah. When when is the right time, right? Well, um, no. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so I, I mean, as you look forward, I mean, do you do you see your uh, you guys getting uh, out to the uh, the United States for a tour? Do you see that working with all your lives as uh, where it is now? I mean, obviously, when everything passes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to make adjustments uh, before we could, you know, we could tour 150, we can do 150 shows a year, um, not included travel dates. But in 2007, I think, or six, we did like 210 shows in a year. That's obviously not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But we, uh, we can divide tours in a, in a better way. Uh, maybe do a couple of weeks here and there and then come back home, go out again, stuff like that. So uh, everybody in the band is well aware that, you know, things need to change a little bit, but we're still aiming for doing as many uh, shows as possible uh, under the circumstances we will be our lives and everything. And I think fans understand that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, I hope you're able to get out, back out here to the Bay Area. Um, it'd be good to uh, to see you yeah, guys live and uh, yeah, and playing the show. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me started there. No, that was a that was the first break on this <laughs> in this whole COVID thing. So, I, yeah, I mean, we could talk about that for an hour. Like, uh, so many. I mean, as we talk about the old Warp tours and everything, like some of my first influential shows that you know that developed me, you know, my musical tastes were there. Like I saw Taking Back Sunday and the Used play in two thousand two. There, I think that was my first show at Slim's, and uh, and uh, and it's yeah. I mean, just to hear it's you know, I I was supposed to interview an artist at Slim's, like one of the second, like the second to last show there. Um, I didn't obviously didn't know it was going to be the second to last show, but then this stuff started happening and I ended up doing it as a phone interview. It was a guy from Denmark. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I, like, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't make it in, in person interview, you know, and go there one more time. Uh, because seen so many good shows at that club and it's just so sad that it's gone now, uh, after all these years. Maybe it's gone or is it someone else going to pick it up? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if I mean I don't think it's going to be Slim's, so I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, you know, they've they seem to have made it clear that they're shutting the doors, so to speak, um, and a lot of businesses aren't going to be able to survive. But you know, to hear these music venues that you love are closed, like if the Fillmore if the Fillmore was to close, I'd lose my mind. I would just lose my mind. I love the yeah. the Fillmore is my favorite yeah, place venues, to see show. Uh, you know, yeah, there's there's few venues that are. As good as the film Yeah. Uh, the energy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully it doesn't turn into a or something. Yeah. And we hopefully we can keep it as uh, uh, a music venue. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, I hope so. Shut down here as well. Yeah, you need to keep getting bands out here to, <laughs> to keep the doors open, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Jesper, thank you for for taking the time today. This is a really enjoyable conversation, and I, uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed the album. But you know, it was great to hear about where you know where you've come from to now, and uh, and congrats on your kids. You know, and uh, you know, and I hope they're they're well as well through this. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're well. They're 
the boy has turned four, uh, four this Monday, and the girl is turning one tomorrow. So oh. it's a hectic week. It's it's an interesting time to raise the kids. I'll tell you. You know, I have I have a nine year old daughter. She's about to turn ten, and my son is uh, is six. And we're doing the homeschooling thing. You know, I'm divorced, and so oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're back and forth between their moms and my houses, and you know, so I'm taking one you know one school day, and the mom is taking the other f- four, and it's just we're not teachers. We're not you know, <laughs> it's we well, got, that, that's that's rough, but. I hope you, I hope you manage to teach them some valuable lessons in life. I'm teaching them something, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm trying well, to make... Thanks a lot for uh, taking the time as well to talk. It was a nice conversation. Yeah, yeah, well, you have a great day. And uh, yeah, try and do some of the live stuff on, you know, on streaming on Instagram and stuff because people dig that and it's a good uh, good outlet to, to kind of get some of that positivity you know, uh, out there, right? And yeah. music is what, what we need right now to, to push through all of this, so... Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. We will I will keep that in mind. <laughs> that was the interview with Jesper from the Sounds and Jens. That takes us to our final segment on the podcast. What is it? Ooh, that is our segment. That is our segment, Steve. That is all about music news. It is our music news segment. Very right, Jens. Thank you for eloquently putting that. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, I was trying to embellish it, and um, you know, here we are. You hit the mark. Okay. Uh, so we each have a couple of stories here, uh, you know, about stuff that's going on in quarantine, right? So we're all we're all living it. Um, and my first story, Jens, is about one of the biggest rock bands in the world, if not the biggest, Metallica. Yes. Uh, well, Jens. Uh, they may make a new album while in quarantine. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich uh, has revealed that the band have been discussing the possibility of recording a new album while in quarantine during the global pandemic. Uh, We've been sitting around in the last four to six weeks and having numerous conversations, he told Salesforce CEO Mark Binoff during a live stream session on Tuesday. Like, that's a that's a weird kind of outlet to be kind of breaking this to Salesforce, a CEO of Salesforce. Uh, it's not even like a music outlet or a TV. Sh- anyway, <laughs> that is interesting. I wonder why. You remember that U two concert I went to? I do. Yes, at uh, the Cow Palace. Yeah, that was Salesforce. They put that on. They put on a uh, they put on a like a benefit concert once a year uh, for their employees and. Um, and affiliates and stuff but i mean that's just a local san francisco thing you know that's not like a global platform yeah well they're uh they're connected apparently right so uh, okay so the four members of metallica connect via zoom once a week and it's a it's great to connect all four of us are obviously in four different locations in four different states right now uh but one topic of conversation on these weekly zoom sessions is what does it look like going forward what will the next couple of months look like what will the rest of the year look like and what will obviously say the next decade look like in terms of how do we create how do we write how do we record music how do we share music and how is it all going to look with the uncertainties ahead of us and um and so they says that uh as we sit here and go well maybe in a month or two from now is there a chance that the four of us can be together at our studio here in Northern California if the quarantine and stay-at-home order subside and so on and so forth. P. 
people that make all the software and all the stuff that we use to record are sitting right now trying to figure out how Lars and James and Kirk and Rob can make a Metallica record from four different locations in four different states. And that's something that we're obviously circling and very excited about. A lot of that will obviously have to do with how long stay-at-home orders stay in place. And uh, a lot of that will have to do with if there's a second wave of the virus. Who knows what our world will look like six months from now. Uh, but what, one thing you can depend on with creative people, for better or for worse, is that they can't sit still for very long. Uh, so they're, they're talking about how they can be a band again, really. Um, and uh, they started 37 years ago. I mean, which, Jens, that's about when I was born. Can't yeah, be- man, that was a, that's ancient history, dude. Yeah. 37 so. years ago, what year was that? My math sucks. 1983, Jens. Woohoo! 1983! Yes. Okay, so, you know what? I am really excited to see the developments of Metallica's new album. And I think, you know, just sort of conceptualizing the limitations that people have now, I mean... You know, like one band member could do a track. Yes. Right? Let's say we just get the bass beat down or whatever, right? And that gets sent to, um, I don't know, the drummer. And then the drummer, you know, does the drum track. And then that gets sent to the guitar people and the lead singer. And then and then you, 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 you have, you know, the different members of the band listening to all these different tracks and then they contribute their own track. But... There's no like universal sort of harmony that brings it all together. You would think it's it would sound sort of disjointed. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, lots of bands have been doing uh, songs. I mean, uh, not together, right? I mean, they've been recording songs yeah. from different locations, so that isn't new. Uh, I mean, right. You know, so so this is just you know a way of life that that bands are kind of figuring out how to adapt to at this point and. Uh, and Metallica is going to lead the way in the sense of like a major band putting out uh, music in this sense and kind of planning something around this, you know, and yeah. what, it, what it looks like. So it's very possible, you know, I mean, from a collaborative sense and everything, like being able to pull together songs, you know, as I mean. Right. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, how they do that and to see if that might be you know, like a temporary trend um, that we'll see from other bands as well. Well, I, I can hope that new music comes from this because I know a lot of bands are hurting right now and a lot of people that support mm-hmm. bands and work around live shows and uh, and that's their livelihood, I mean, are out of work because of, because of this. So, uh, right. I mean, this new right. way is uh, um, pretty creative. Um, and uh, Absolutely. look forward to seeing what they, what they make if they decide to go down that road. Right. Well, we'll keep an eye on the story and see how it develops. Yes, and you have a story for us, Jens. I do. I got a story about Slipknot's Corey Taylor. Mm, nice. Okay. Dude, this dude has got guitars, all right? And he is auctioning them off for COVID-19 relief. That's very big of him. That's huge. I mean, it must be amazing to have a collection of anything when you're famous right yeah i mean you kind of take that shit for granted i would think but then you sit there in your little museum of instruments and you wonder how can i benefit the world and can i you know am i ready to am i ready to part from some of these instruments that maybe i have an emotional connection to or whatever so this guy he does that 
I think in this time right now, like things mean a lot less, right? Like it's yeah, about getting through this together right. and supporting each it's other. It's perspective. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. See, that's perspective. And you think of the big picture and it's like, you know what? All of these instruments bring back specific memories, but big picture here is to give, um, and, um, and uh, in this particular case, it's it's for relief. So he uh, launched a special auction of hand-signed, okay, hand-signed guitars from his collection to benefit direct relief. So the charity works to, to provide personal protection equipment and other essential medical items to health workers on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. Now, uh, Taylor has handpicked not just one, two, three, but 13 guitars from his collection and went ahead and signed all of them. That's a good handful, so that's pretty cool. That is a good handful. So uh, some of the guitars include Corey's Gold, uh, Metallic Gibson, Memphis, Dave Grohl, and DG, which is, I'm assuming, Dave Grohl, <laughs> 335, <laughs> number 237, uh, of only 400 in perfect condition. Wow. Um, a gold top Gibson classic Les Paul, a tan Fender acoustic, a pearl blue Gibson David Grohl signature number 87 out of only 200, a black SDGR bass. I mean, he, he likes the Dave Grohl guitars, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, you know what? There's some David, there's some. There's some David Grohl equipment in here, right? Yeah. I mean, Dave is represented. Yeah, and and so where can one find these guitars, Jens? Well, they're available for bidding. They're available for bidding on eBay, and the auction will run until May the 7th. And the proceeds, uh, well, you know, minus shipping and processing fees and stuff, um, will go to the charity with eBay also matching up to one million. That is one million for direct relief. That's wow. dollar for dollar, basically. That's crazy. Okay, cool. And so some of these right now, in looking at this, they have a long time left, but they're, uh, I mean, probably an average of twenty five hundred dollars each uh, for uh, for thirteen guitars. Uh, so, I mean, that that's a decent amount of money to even start start with, right? So, yeah. So, so how many are you going to get, Steve? And which gonna, ones? I'm going to get all the Dave Grohl ones. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, um, why did I even ask? Of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, um, no. But true story ends. That, that does take us to our final story, which I, I think you'll have a hard time guessing who it's in relation to. Well, you know what? Since we're on the Dave Grohl theme, I'm just going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say we're probably going to end this episode with another Dave Grohl story. Just because we're in quarantine doesn't mean we don't have Dave Grohl news, Jens, okay? So, uh, and we have to thank Dave Grohl for that because he delivers that content over and over and over again, and that dude does not disappoint. And he knows we have a weekly podcast that uh, requires us to have a story uh, to end on uh, where he does something really, truly awesome, right? So Exactly. Exactly. It's very rare that he takes a holiday. Is what I'm saying. Never. He's always there for us. 
in his true Jay girl form. So, uh, so Jens, there's an all-star Foo Fighters COVID-19 relief cover that's streaming online. Um, and this, this one is better than that fucking We Are the World, uh, whatever bullshit that went on, you know, right when the, this started over a month ago. Um, Dude, there's nothing better than We Are the World. That is like the most amazing song in the universe because it's just so incredible. So if you're going to say it's better than We Are the World, then, I mean, this has got to be over the top. Like, over, over the top. I mean, it's over, over the top. <laughs> uh, they, they did a cover, uh, uh, I mean, a, a really a collaboration of the 2002 Foo Fighters' uh, Times Like These. Um, and uh, that's it. That's it. Now I'm remembering. Yep. Yes. Times like these. And so, uh, I mean, lots of artists, including Chris Martin of Coldplay, uh, Ellie Golding, uh, Royal Blood, uh, Dula Lipa, uh, Rita Ora, a lot of others uh, filmed their contributions from their own homes before they were compiled by producer Fraser T. Smith. Um, uh, for an April 23rd release as the Stay uh, Stay Home Live Lounge in honor of the long-running BBC Radio Live Lounge series. Uh, And uh, and so uh, the uh, UK net profits are going to be combined with any funds raised by the Big Night Inn, and those funds funds will be split equally between BBC Children in Need and Comic Relief to provide essential support to vulnerable people of all ages and backgrounds across the UK who will be significantly impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. Um, I so, think this is fantastic. I'm really, really jazzed about this. Um, I hope it, I hope it ends up being a big deal, even if it doesn't have some of the classics in it, like Michael Jackson. It doesn't have any Michael Jackson, but let's listen to just a little clip. How's that? Okay. And, God, I love this song. I'm a So it's it's really cool, and uh, and I want to actually skip ahead to uh, a different part in the song that uh, that was a, a lot of fun. I think I think this is it right here. So look, here you go. So, uh, and oh, the, fantastic! And the, and, uh, my eyes are watering. I love that song, yeah. and the delivery is impressive. It's it's on point, and and the Foo Fighters are in there too. Make no mistake, Dave Grohl's in there. T- uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, is in there. I think he was like drumming. He wasn't really drumming. He was like shaking a um, oh god, what's it? What's it called? A, a lava mach- lava lamp. 
He was like shaking the level of it, it looked like. I don't know. It was, uh, wait, wait, say that again. I just totally missed that. The drummer was shaking a lava lamp. It looked like he was shaking a lava lamp in a in a clip. So let me see was, if I can. Was he drumming too, or just shaking a lava lamp? Um, I, he was not drumming. Let me see if I can. What is it with drummers who aren't actually drumming? So here, here's the. I'll show you the screen screen still of it. Uh, does like, that just does drumming not work on Zoom or what? You see him with the lava lamp, right? Like, I don't know what he's doing with the lava lamp, but he's like hitting the lava lamp or something. Oh my god! Is it like I want to know if it's a technical issue that just doesn't allow drumming to work, sure you know, that. live stream, or if drummers just happen to be the first member of the band? They get so stoned, they like don't know where the drum set is, so they just pick up the next thing and start banging on it. I'm sure both the Foo Fighters and the Rolling Stones drummers can afford to have drum kits in their house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Oh my god. I can't tell you, but that was was pretty interesting. That's fucking funny, dude. Yeah. Well, Jens, that's our show for today. So. Yes, and it was a fantastic show. Um... May I ask, Mr. Steve, what we might be expecting on an upcoming episode? You can ask, but I will not tell you. Ah, Okay, well, I will allow the suspense to increase throughout the next few days. I appreciate your patience and uh, (laughs) and anticipation of uh, what's to come on Customer Pipeline. I know. Well, you know what? We're all in lockdown. We all need to appreciate the little things in life that make a difference, and Concert Pipeline is one of those things. We, yes, so we appreciate our audience, and uh, we know absolutely we keep a- aiming to deliver content for you while you're uh, all locked up. So hopefully our audience is enjoying the pod. So certainly, yes. So it's consistency, man. It's routine. It's that trying to get back to normal or creating that new normal, Steve. It's been freaking awesome. For all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Steve Jones. And that's Jen Schiphol. I didn't fuck that up, right? I mean, wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We'll see you next week. We'll catch you next time. Bye.